Hello, and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Covert Castaway. We are excited to update you on um, a bunch of things that happened this past week that include another factory tour and the first big multi-hole show of the season. It's the first one, right? The first big one? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Here in La Grande Motte. Well, this, it's quite unique, this one, because it's a multi-hole only, so catamarans and few trimarans. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it was really cool. So we want to kind of catch up on what we saw there and what we learned and are starting to explore. So, um, yeah, let's start with the second factory tour. We weren't so much interested because we'd already done one. And then, yeah, Matthew said, come on over, check it out. Yeah, he was giving a tour to another potential customer. and From the U.S. as well? Yeah. And so we thought, well, why not? Yeah. And, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, the first time, and there were more people the first time, this one was a little bit more intimate. And, um, you know, there is only so much you can grasp. And so the second time around, yeah, it felt it really like, good. you know, you're learning a little bit more. Uh, asking different questions. Different questions, yeah. So, so that was good. And that was interesting to meet uh, a person going through the process that we went through. Mm-hmm. And we see each one as their own personal way to maybe get to the same answer in this case, it seems. Um, so it was interesting to hear what other boats he had looked at and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and sailed on and getting his input. And at the time... Uh, he was going to do yeah the afternoon and the next day he was going to do a test trial on a 51 and on a 55. Mm-hmm. And since then we've kept in touch mm-hmm. and uh, sounds like... Uh, yeah, he put his, he, put his uh, <laughs> name down in a slot. He, he was waiting for his baby to be born uh, any minute. I guess his wife was wanting him to get back on a plane quickly and not delay. Yeah. And... Um, I, but I think he's waiting five years or something like that. Yeah, it's more of a longer term. Uh, well, longer term in the current market, <laughs> you have to be okay. But also, he was looking. But because his children, their children, is quite quite young, so mm-hmm. it makes sense to wait a few years. So in their case, uh, the the delay or you know it works out with the um, mm-hmm. uh, the the years needed mm-hmm. for the kids to grow up a little bit. Uh, although some people take young kids on boats, but I think it's another challenge. <laughs> so, so that was that was kind of interesting to hear the thought process of another person, another couple, going through this, and and in this case, come mm-hmm. to the same conclusion. So, mm-hmm. so that was good. Yeah, and then we, uh, I hit French class. I started my French school, and in yeah, the mornings, week. yeah, and then um, we went to the boat show uh, three days in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And why don't you talk a little bit about the first day? Yeah, first day, pretty much focused on Outremer <laughs> uh, booth. And so we got to meet uh, people that we're going to be working with, especially Eloi. Um, who's our project manager. So he's the dedicated person to help us. Technical project he's manager. He's like technical sales. And then, uh, yeah, he's going to be, we're going to work 
with him closely as we go through the process from now until basically handover. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's going to be a very key person for us. Uh, right. Um, and the tranche is there's a bu- there's three kind of groups of decisions we have to make. So the first tranche of decisions has a lot to do with the boat layout, like whether we want four cabins or three cabins or whatever it is. And then um, basically the sale plan. Um, and then weirdly, some like plumbing decisions, although I don't know what plumbing decision, I guess if you decide you want to a dishwasher or a um, laundry machine or not. These are the kinds of decisions I think you need to make um, as well as AC units and stuff. Yeah, in energy producers, energy consumption slash electronics, the deck plan, mm-hmm. uh, the rig and sale plan, the plumbing, yeah, mm-hmm. the layout, mm-hmm. and the specifics in accommodation, including cabinets and lockers. and. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, it's all combined. And part of the reason is to start, you know, or to have an earlier deadline for all these things, uh, given the current state. Supply chain. Yeah. yeah. So we, Utomir wants to make sure they have enough time to order everything mm-hmm. and making sure that those things arrive on time. So typically you can wait a little bit longer. Um, yeah. Typically there's three decision making, three decision like, points. Yeah. Points, yeah. So in this case, the first two are combined, which should be okay mm-hmm. for us. To uh, but obviously, that's one thing that uh, we're going to start in um, and have the first meeting to really understand on both sides. On our side, we already know from our prior experience certain things that we want. Like we want a three cabin, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not not uh, so that's an easy decision for us, uh, not the four cabin version. Uh, but there are other things. Um, that are going to be very critical, especially the the sale plan. Yeah, the um, sale plan is really, uh, especially as we get into what we did kind of the second day, but, um, you know, the sale plan decisions, I think, on this boat are, I think, going to be a little bit more involved. And it's it seems like there is obviously no right and wrong answer. It's more, it comes down to these type of decisions are very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Every single person has a different opinion. opinion. <laughs> and so you have to make sure mm-hmm. uh, when you get the opinion, it's, it's, it's good because you're getting some different data points to think about. But you need to make sure you understand, you know, what boats they have, what, how they sailed it, where they sailed it. And mm-hmm. So it's kind of like collecting information. And uh, so but we'll talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. this. Um, so anyway, we met with, uh, with Eloa. We also met with Céline, who was responsible for marketing at Outremer. We met with Xavier, who is the president of Outremer. Obviously, we met with Mathieu. And we met with some other people mm-hmm. from the Ultramare booth. So everybody... And uh, everybody was really nice. Um, I mean, I think every everybody who's selling boats at a boat show is nice. But mm-hmm. you definitely feel like you're joining a family. Yes. And, you know, we came back the next day. Everybody remembered our names. That was nice. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they, they definitely... you you. I felt like there was some things around the whole customer experience that were sort of hardwired into their DNA. You mm-hmm. and I talked a little bit about this on the way back that you just, you know, they just are there or they're not there, you know? And I felt like there's definitely, um, that sense that every customer is important, is important. They, they it felt less like a factory and more like a, 
the family business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the right way to yeah, put it. Yeah, I guess, yeah, there is a, a good vibe. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's professional, but at the same time, it's friendly. Yeah. And and that's that's cool. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, you're... And authentic, to, you yeah, know. Yes. So that was really... That was really cool. So we focused mo- mostly on the first day, just and we only had half days because I was in school and we had to go over there. Um, but it was really great to meet everybody in person and put a put a face to to a yeah. name for sure moving forward. And certainly, if anybody's buying a boat, you know that would be a strong recommendation is to try to meet people in person, even if you're getting your boat in Vietnam or if you're getting your boat in France or if you're getting your boat anywhere. I think yeah. it's it's pretty important. And and that's the major difference with what we went through before. Mm-hmm. You established that relationship, but it's a wizard dealer, mm-hmm. and then you have that you know in layer between. in between. Yeah. Here you're talking to the people who are really like mm-hmm. hands on. Now going to be working with exactly. So, so it's just like. Yeah, it's as as direct as it can be, mm-hmm. and those people are very because you have to like they have to look you in the eye later. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. So the second day was really interesting, and I have to say, my mind was kind of blown. I was I was kind of at the end of the day, I was like really tired, um, and although Probably it could have been French class, so. French class combined <laughs> with the weather was not optimum, yeah. so a little rainy and yeah. cold, and by yeah. the end of the day, you were yeah, like, I was I'm I was out. out. <laughs> um, so, and a lot of talking, even yeah. though everybody was like speaking English and pretty Everybody good. was, yeah. yeah. And Or I would try to speak French and they'd be like, no, I can speak English. I'm like, no, I'm trying to practice French. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but on the other side, I got the student discount. So that was cool. You totally scored. Yeah. yeah. Totally free entrance. It, free entrance so into the boat jealous. show. Yeah. yeah. We didn't take the the uh, Metro and the tram or whatever. That would have been free. Like I get I get discounts for movies. That's what we should do. Go see a French movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the second day, um, we really focused on meeting some other important vendors. Um, we had a long discussion around finances. So our goal was to kind of just explore what options did exist um, mm-hmm. for financing. We didn't do that with the first boat we had. Um, and we're still on the fence, but we definitely wanted to explore some options. So mm-hmm. I think it was really good to understand that. Yeah, and it's definitely it takes a bit of time to understand how everything works because we're coming from one experience. That's how reference. These were yeah, just to be clear, these were like French options to do that since mm. you're buying the boat in France, which are depending on who you're buying your boat from and what relationships they have or whatever, they're kind of different um setups. So this one was was unique to France to and to European people right. yeah, about leasing. So yeah. that was definitely uh, very interesting to, to learn and we're going to continue to explore. Mm-hmm. And then we met with Poshan, mm-hmm. which is always a great... I mean, I learn something new every time I talk to those guys. So Poshan is the um, the group that does all of the electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they worked on our first boat mm-hmm. in La Rochelle. They, are, they have offices in different locations in France. And so they're a very... A big one in La Rochelle, yeah. Yeah. And they are very specialized in all mm-hmm. electronics and stuff like this. So they're very knowledgeable. So now we're working... Uh, and, and Outremer has a kind of a point of contact. So that mm-hmm. would be also... It's great we met that person. Who does all the same... And, and they do... They have a guy who does all the same installs for Outremer too, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was good. We're, I think with Utremer, you have the option between systems. It seems like everybody goes with BNG, mm-hmm. and that is the standard system. We had Garmin before. 
So just trying to understand the differences. We talked a little bit about um, some of the newer things coming out, which I think the most interesting new thing was um, was the... Oh, now they have a... Yeah, well, it's not through BNG. It was another brand, but it's... It's through Push-On, yeah. Yeah, they sell, obviously, a, mm-hmm. a lot of different brands. and uh, But it was interesting to see that the old VHF radio that uh, ours or Garmin had a little screen... It was like so tiny; it was hard to read. We had no idea how to work the thing. I well, mean, y- y- we could you switch just between the, how many times you press turn, yeah, because you cannot read the screen. But now it's like smartphone. Yeah, it looks like a smartphone type VHF. Yeah, so it's like super, super <laughs> sexy. Like you know, I don't know if it's needed, but it's well, it's a good thing to know that people are trying to here's the thing right like on our other our boat we had the vhf and it had like the little yellow screen or whatever orange was it orange or whatever and sometimes it would ring and we're like what's happening you know like Mm. we we never sat down to figure it out we never read the instructions you and vhf and you're trying to read the number i mean it it was not is it important we have no idea So, so anyway they're coming up with some new uh yeah improving technology so that that's cool to see uh that's you know, much this, more intuitive, uh-huh. a bigger interface. The screen was larger, yeah. so that was really cool. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, nearby Potion, there was um, uh, Adrena Software, mm-hmm. so it's a navigation software, uh, French company. It's uh, they have obviously different options for the software, but uh, it's being used at the competition level by a lot of the French sailors and stuff. So it was interesting to see how that works, the interface, how we will use it. Is it necessary? What other options are there? How well is it integrated with, you know, Yeah, like BNG? how do you actually use it, you yeah. know? And, and so. basically you plan on one thing and you import it to the other thing and then, <laughs> I don't know. Like, we'll dive down. Like we'll a, do a more podcast and, and we'll update our blog you with need, uh, more of those technical details yeah. as we keep gathering information. But Yeah, and hopefully we don't have to like hire someone like Deloitte to integrate some of this <laughs> into the book. No. It was like seriously that means not we're going the wrong route. Yeah. So that was that was really good. The uh, conversation we met with the people from Oscar, mm-hmm. uh, which is also uh, this is like um, well, it's not new, but it's uh, still very very new technology uh, using AI and night vision and, and thermal and yeah thermal vision uh, thermal cameras and uh, and they have also low light cameras for the day and and so basically at a very simple level, I mean. I really think that technology, if it works as well as we've been Same. explained, what we observe, um, well, first, it's going to happen. And there is no question the same way we now have cameras in the cars when you reverse, for example. You can see stuff. Yeah, and you think it's a gadget beginning, but you, you realize when you rent a car that doesn't have it, and you're like, oh, man, I wish there was a little camera. It's so helpful. So I think this is just a camera that is just all the way on top of the mast. How big would you say it is? And again, we're talking about a company called Oscar. Um, how big would you say the box is? Uh, it weighs like less than a kilo and uh, comparing like eight, to... eight inches or something uh, like that? To square. some kind of box like, uh, I don't know. Like, like half a shoe box maybe? Something like yeah, this? Like yeah, like half. Yeah. even maybe less yeah so it's pretty tiny it's installed all the way on top of the mast so that's mm-hmm. awesome and it works 20 more well, as long as you turn it on 24 hours a day and and it's really work it's obviously you have radar you have ais but that's uh it kind of complements these so the ais has a purpose i mean you can track 
boats that have AIS and, you know, a transponder and you can see their speed, their directions, what type of boat they are. But a lot of small fishing boats don't have AIS, especially as you go into some countries. So those, you know, you have radar you know, to detect land, to detect big ships uh, that have like a radar reflector, uh, to detect squalls. So that's good. But if you have like uh, small fishing boats with no AIS, they have no AIS. Um, right. If you have, uh, if it's foggy and and uh, you need to be able to to see better, or you know, and then the angle also. So it basically will it will detect uh, for anomalies and it will try to match it to some kind of database to say, oh, this this point matches you know some kind of GPS coordinates. So that might be mm-hmm. this. But in another case, it might be based on what the AI is saying. It might be like a small fishing boat or, or it might be a person in the water. Right. So it has algorithms that it's been learning from. Like where, a neural network. Yeah. Is. So basically, it will cross-reference what it, what it detects with other data sources to determine, oh, this is a, a buoy. Mm-hmm. This is a boat. This yeah. is a person. You know, this is whatever. And it will ring an alarm, so mm-hmm. alert you. And and it's kind of interesting because stories we've heard some people are reading about is it will alert you before you can see it because it's all the way on top of the mast. So obviously it's a much, much it's better much angle higher, to yeah, see it far away. See. It, if it's foggy and stuff, like you can see better than the human eye. So suddenly it will alert you. You look, you don't see it. And then, but at least obviously you slow down, you change course or something. And then certain thing, things starts to be clear. Mm-hmm. And then with the, some of the stories we heard, it's like some people thought, oh, that was kind of like a toy. And, but then they sailed on the boat and then, oh yeah, this is yeah. really, really useful. It's like having a crew 24 hours a yeah, day. Yeah. So let's talk about use cases. So, you know, what are you thinking for us? For us? Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you are... Sh- I would say even beyond that, but if you're shorthanded, mm-hmm. if you're going to do like passages, uh, especially like along the coast, and uh, it just seems to be a no-brainer to... to As another layer. It's not to depend on. No, it's not like you go to bed and yeah, you have a pair of eyes on top of the mast. It's just, uh, you know, one of us will be sleeping, the other one will be on watch, and you already have the radar and the IS, a lot of things, and you yourself to keep a watch. But you'll have that that device that is going to give you an additional piece of information mm-hmm. and uh, that complements the others. So, mm-hmm. so we're definitely seriously looking at that. The yeah, one it thing- just definitely makes me feel like again another little layer because you realize you know you're paying attention. You can pay attention as good as you think you can pay attention. You know, but having a, a second set of eyes. Just in case, I mean, you're looking down for 30 seconds or you're, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're struggling with some other problem on the boat. Yeah. And, you know, be distracted very and you're quickly distracted very quickly or other- someone's tired or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. So it's more just a, another backup. And then especially also for boats that are moving at higher speeds, mm-hmm. you know, because now, you know, you need. It the, happens the, quickly. If yeah. you can see further, you have a more time to react and so it seems like if it works as well as as we've learned so far mm-hmm. um definitely that's something we're going to mm-hmm. be uh, uh, considering so if you haven't noticed we've, we're excited about the oscar yeah. which has nothing let's to do with the boat on. show but because let's we'll on. do something in more <laughs> yeah. detailed yeah about this and then we spent a lot of time talking to incident sales and north sales um two of the 
sailing companies, just about sail plan, sail setup. And it's just so fascinating. Even both of those people we talked to, these different companies have different perspectives. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was just. And I'm sure within lot. one company, they might have different yeah. perspectives. So, but it's, yeah, it's, and it's like you leave the conversation and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes we got a lot it. of sense. Yeah, and then you go talk like, to the next person. Forget and then, it. Yeah. then you're like, it's well, out the okay, window. reset. Yeah. You know? So, like, yeah, no, this kind of process right now is just talking to as many mm-hmm. people as possible get confused with too much information which is where we are <laughs> and then exactly. try to really like you know set your requirements and then um and then we'll need we haven't it was more kind of informal conversations yeah, but like, eventually explain. you need like some of the charts yeah and then see with the polars, polars like, and, you know, and stuff like this so but like talk just what are the i mean we're gonna do a deeper podcast obviously and even probably a, a companion blog to talk about sale plan but like you know, there's a few things that suddenly become important to decide, you know, like the, the stay sale, like, is that, do we need one or not? You know, Mm -hmm. and there's different philosophies on this. And, you know, if you, the self tacking jib, we're like, oh yeah, we definitely want that. And then we talk to people and we're like, "Mm, maybe we don't want that. Mm. You know, so these are kind of the biggest decisions, right? Is there one more probably? Because these have to do with like the base setup of the boat. Yeah. Not like just a sail configuration, right? Or rigging. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely for the Utermer. It's like the, the seem the two choices you have to make like one choice is you keep the self-tacking jib and then you go with the code zero and then people raise some concerns like oh if you need to furl that self-tacking jib uh it loses its shape and you know so oh, that's some, another thing there's some purists people, you know yeah. they're all from Brittany, so, by the yeah. way <laughs> so you know, they were like saying yeah oh the French people, especially people from Brittany, like you have to have that Perfect sail for trim, that thing yeah. and that sail for that weather. And, and as soon as you furl it, like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's no the good wrong anymore. shape. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one, one camp. The other camp is uh, you go with a stay sail and a Genoa. The, the first step is there's a huge price, dif- price difference mm-hmm. between the two, the stay sail option uh, between the and the setup for the the the, carb, the cross beam, the mast, and then the the, the stay sail itself, and it's just uh, it's just you adding complexity, and um, but and then you are adding price. So it's we we're we're going to go through a lot of iterations to try. I'm to sure, come and up. there's a lot of opinions. I'm sure, and um, you know, if any of you have a stay sail and you have your advice, <laughs> no, we don't want. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no, I think what, what we concluded is. We run first to hear people from Utomer because they've had those conversations with so many owners. So that's the first major data point. Second, we want to sit down with, uh, you know, incident sales, north sales, with some sale makers, you know, who also leave. Do I have to talk to those guys again? I feel like I talked, we talked to them for like an hour. But we have to talk, not just talk like on paper. And then we need mm. to hear from other Utremer. Who've you know, been around. Once we have all that information about yeah. the selection, then we need to hear from other people, especially it's going Sorry, to Sorry, there's a little bit of background noise. It's the street cleaner. The streets here are sparkling clean because they clean them all the time. Yeah. So anyway. And then, uh, and then we'll be, um, I think our third step, we'll be talking with uh, current Utremer current owners, especially the ones who are currently doing the around the world. Right. And they are now in French Polynesia, so they've gone to ocean crossings. And mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be quite interesting to the people who had to make that decision like a year or two ago 
now um, if they had to if they were in oppositions, what mm-hmm. would they do? So that's kind of like what say Utomea sell makers and then Utomea owners. Yeah. And then we'll make a decision after that. Yeah. And we got a chance just moving kind of th- to the third day. We we did get a chance to meet up with Seth from the sailing family who had mm-hmm. um, an Utomea fifty one mm-hmm. um, archer. And um, we chatted with him a little bit about sail plan, and you know he has a stay sail. Yeah, and- I mean, obviously he was there to you know, represent H and H. Yeah, but he was a previous Ultramarine owner, and I mean, the guy is just like he loves talking about. He loves talking about <laughs> boats. We know that from watching videos, yeah. but he's very generous with his time. Yeah, for sure. As soon as he was we super busy. talked a, a little bit, it didn't, to him like he was starting to give us some uh, some feedback really of what advice. he learned. And then, uh, yeah, it's super nice. I uh, wish like he was available. I to know. Wish he had like drink. two more hours to <laughs> yeah. talk about stuff because <laughs> we felt it, bad. It, it felt like we, yeah, and we felt bad because, you know, he had appointments, I'm sure, but um, super generous with his time. And I'm sure hopefully we'll be able to ask him for more advice as yeah. we go Even along. Even oh, send me an email. I'll try to yeah. respond. <laughs> he's he's like, pretty busy. I'm sure he's very busy. Working for a living now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so what else did we do on the third day? We got a chance to look at some other boats, which was really interesting. Because yeah. up until that point, we were like all business. We we're like, yeah, we need to like talk to Two our days. team. We need to talk to our vendors. And then the third day, we were like, okay, we should probably look at some boats. Well, plus the third day was a sunny day. Yeah, it was really nice. So first, we're not trying to be judgmental like or, or like. But we will buy. What are you gonna say? The Fontaine Peugeot, and now because your new reference is like the, the those thin, thin lines holes. of the Ultramar, yeah, definitely the Fontaine Peugeot. The uh, no, I was looking at I was looking they at a look boat, a little like, and I was like, overweight. I was like, oh my god, that's a huge boat. It's like so fat, and I looked at it, and it was the Sona Forty Seven. It was the yeah. boat we had, and I was like, what the heck is happening to my perspective? And now that you've looked at those yeah. lines of like of like a boat that sails well and then you look back at the the fountain pressure in the lagoon you're like oh yeah now I understand you you're know. kind of being judgy <laughs> well you're kind you, of being judgy but you, you what you do is natural now you, yeah. you you reframe your mind reset it to understand you know the physics and stuff mm. and you're focusing on that and when you look at other boats, you're like, oh, no, that's not working. And yeah. you know why? Because but the boats are all beautiful. I mean, I, what I will say is there's a, there seems to be like a ton more boats. Yes. Like a ton more. And Boat all different. Manufacturers. Uh, more manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, more uh, types, like more sizes per manufacturer. So, you know, maybe... A 45, a 50, a 50. Like, there's just more and more there and more. There is a range. There is boats that are fast and luxurious. There is boats that are like Completely motor yachts. There is expensive. There is boats that tri- want to be like all green. There, I mean, it's it was some that want to be like pure performance, mm-hmm. uh, really like stripped down. Mm-hmm. That was the, what was that? The ORC? The ORC, yeah. So, so it seems like you know, if you're looking, just make sure you go to like a boat show, like the multi-hole boat show, because all the vendors, I assume, were there. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like shocked. Like I was how shocked many, too. How, how many, many they were. But, and uh, you know, the thing I'll say about this boat show is it wasn't very crowded. I mean. Probably part of it is the weather played a role. Maybe like local people, like probably uh, even on even sunny on, on Saturday, Friday. It wasn't yeah, bad. People, uh, Friday. Or Friday, I mean. It yeah. was sunny. Yeah. But most of the 
but manufacturers now require like a reservation. Minutes. I mean, what we knew our reference was the uh, Annapolis Boat Show. Now, a few it was years a free back. for all. Yeah, it was so super crowded. crowded. But somehow, it seems like we could visit. I don't know, but there were a lot of people on the boats at once, and I can yeah. appreciate why people would want to take reservations to visit the boats because otherwise, how do they talk to everybody? Yeah, and you know, then, so it's some kind of qualification. So I get, I get that, and it actually does make sense. Um, but if you're like us and you just kind of want to see the boat, it's a bummer, you know. Yeah, because you're, <laughs> you, you don't want to waste people's bit. time, and yeah. you you yeah. know you don't yeah. Yeah, and you feel bad because yeah, you say sorry, we've already committed. we're already committed to a different <laughs> boat. But I, I think worth mentioning there are a couple worth mention. Obviously, the H and H was beautiful and amazing and way too expensive. Um, the ORC was really cool, but really stripped down. I mean, it's you're in racing land at that point. Yeah, if you go to the fifty seven. It seems like, you know, they probably add, it look like they add more yeah, stuff, like but the so 50 expensive. and the 42, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the price. I don't look at prices. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, you all heard it here. Yeah. Well, at Bocho, you cannot, you just dream. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it clearly like, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely like a further, um, the range of like performance. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's a very minimalistic. Uh, mm-hmm. Minimalistic. That's a good way. Yeah. Spartan. Yeah. Is another yes. word, probably. Um, uh, worth mentioning is the Windaloo that we saw. I believe it was a 51. And the this boat is um, the boat that I perceive to be the most st- sustainable, friendly, or moving in that direction and marketing it that way. Like, that's mm. how they're trying to position the boat. So they're using electric motors, um, hydro generation, um, they have all kinds of uh, sustainable, um, materials. And I think the, the most interesting thing about the boat was the helm is actually inside the boat, um, versus anywhere, anywhere on the deck or outside. Like a gunboat, but it was covered. Mm, Yeah. So imagine a normal salon of a, of a, of a catamaran and the front half of the salon is all helm. So there's two, uh, wheels. There's the, the main with all of the lines and all of the equipment. But so it looks like a captain's deck. It looks like a, Mm. it, you know, this is what it looks like. It's completely separate from the rest of the boat. You actually open a door, you go inside and you're in kind of this captain's station and then there's a little door that you open to access, I guess, the base to of go the... forward on the bow. Yeah, and to go forward. And so, um, you know, that was just really different, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely pushing the... I mm-hmm. mean, and, and all, I think, manufacturers are trying to... Boat manufacturers are trying to... They know that's moving in that direction in some way, shape, or form, are trying to uh, find their niche. And that's, but they definitely... Looking just yeah. at the marketing materials, we don't know the details. Yeah, it was inter- It seemed to have a lot of interesting things to mm. explore. If that were kind of a path you were going to go down, and it's good for the overall boat boating industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in that direction. And then we had mixed feelings. Um, we had a difference of opinion Uh-oh. about the balance Uh-oh. as well. Um, there were a lot of things about the balance that back I liked. when we were looking at. Um, 
at our well, no, options. we walked on to it. No, no, but we were talking about the balance as we were talking about Outremer back uh, last year yeah. when we were making and I, But we had process. never seen one, and so this is the mm. first time to see one. So I really liked the helm setup where the the wheel goes up and down. I Just liked, like the 55, yeah. Yeah, and then everything, all of the lines kind of come into that one spot. I liked how that was set up. Um, and then there was some, some design elements I really liked about the balance as well. Um, and some that I, <laughs> and some that you didn't like at all. I would, which you, is you, like semi-custom. So you I would be sitting stuff. here like looking at something, like, no, God, like, this is really clever and cool. The, and you'd be like, Oh my God, that's so stupid. No, not like this, but the, <laughs> the, 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 the owner's version, the, what is the cabin usually at the back of the boat is this humongous bathroom. And it didn't oh, it make any huge. sense. It's like, to me, it was like, Well, it's I mean, I so think what made sense about it is, is like the engines under, under there, I guess. So it makes noise in the bathroom, not in the bed, main bedroom. Like there, were, I'm sure there was some like thoughts put to it. It looks like, it doesn't make any sense. It's really me. big. And it's it's not a even huge cozy. shower. Like our shower in the Fountain Peugeot, like was at least long and narrow, but at least you feel a bit of coziness to it. Like even if it's a glass and, but here was like a big square shape and like a spa know. it was interesting it's it, if it was a hot tub like anyway. sure fill it up and then enjoy the time so but, this is yeah. how couples choose boats but yeah anyway i thought <laughs> i thought it had some interesting things to offer stefan felt otherwise so there you go uh, some of the design characteristics that um i think uh when you're on the performance spectrum um, there are some fundamentals like physics, like, you know, and, and I think everybody is trying to move a little bit. A lot of boat manufacturers trying to move to be a performance boat, but at the same time make other decisions. Yeah. And, um, it definitely feels like there's a, um, really good sense of competitive uh, competition between these boat builders, whether they're production boats or performance boats. Like I think it, I just feel like since the last time we went to a boat show, which was pre-COVID, right? And then no, there weren't boat shows. Four years ago or something. And then there weren't boat shows for a while, right? Mm. It just seems like there's healthy competition. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's starting to understand there's different sub-segments of the market. It's not just one thing for everybody. Um, mm. And trying to fill, everybody's sort of looking for their niche to fill and mm-hmm. and competing, I think, which is, I think, only benefits the buyers. So I, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then we had a chance to meet up with some uh, owners. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the the couples just got their 55 mm-hmm. three days ago, I yeah. guess, handed over. And so they invited us back to their boat to look at um, what they called was the bazaar of trying to pack the boat with all of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were moving from a Genoa monohull, a 57, Seven. yeah, into a 55. Um, Outremer 55, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was just floored how much space there was. Uh, uh, it's, it's just such a beautiful boat. Yeah, it's very big. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool, though, to see... It, it was really cool to be in, in the middle of their excitement, you know, when they yeah, got yeah. it. And, and visualizing, because you're like, the boat comes out of the factory when they hand it over to you. Like, it's basically, it's, it's all done. There is no commissioning like what we had before. But then you realize, oh, it still takes time to put your stuff away. <laughs> Even if you think like we've become somehow minimalist, there is still a lot of stuff to put away, nowhere to put it. And, and I these realized, guys admittedly were not minimalist. They had, they, I mean, she was like, no, I have a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, and a 57 foot 
Monohull. Oh, yeah. Monohull is still a big boat. Oh, yeah. You know, so. So, so that was um, Stefan and Beatrice. And then we met uh, Barbara and Uli from Germany, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, went to the factory, saw their boat being built. And they're going to come back a few times and between now and the time they get the boat. Um, the I think keys the boat the goes boat. in the water in May. Uh, I forgot exactly, but they're going mm-hmm. to come back when they do the deck, uh, mm-hmm. uh, close the deck and then do a little ceremony. And then um, when the boat gets put in the water and obviously mm-hmm. when the keys are being handed over to them. So, yeah, so that was cool. yeah made uh, new friends and uh, it's fun because we're going to be around and everybody's going to gravitate around like on mat over the next uh, few mm-hmm. months. So looking forward to meeting even more owners at Outremer Week mm-hmm. sometime in May. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, and definitely, you know, I, I definitely, it was really good timing with the boat show. So I think biggest mm-hmm. takeaways were if you can attend a boat show, it might be worth picking some random catamaran boat show that's out of the way, um, just because you can get on more boats, you can talk to more people, you can have longer conversations than in a busy boat show. That's kind mm. of, that was what, how I felt. I was like, wow, this is the one to come to. You know, because it's smaller and, and, and you can really have deeper conversations. Yeah. Um, I think the second thing was is <clears throat> no matter where you get your boat, if you're if you're getting a new boat, it's really good to meet people face to face, especially at the actual manu- boat manufacturer and look people in the eye and um, build the relationships. Uh, in the U.S., I think um, less so than in France, certainly, and other countries around the world. I think the relationships matter. Not that they don't matter anywhere else. It just seems like having gone through what we went through, even with Fountain Bajot, you know, it was really important to have good relationships on the dock there with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people actually working on the boat and uh, interacting. So, you know, if you are buying your boat from another country, you know, it just becomes all the more important. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if other boat manufacturers were doing it or not, but definitely Outremer was taking people on the water as oh, well. Oh, yeah. You can so, take... because again, be careful of going to a boat show and looking at boats and just looking at Oh, they're at, beautiful at on the dock. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then sailing them and really get the full experience and talking to the previous mm-hmm. owners of those boats. And so, um, that's, that's yeah, yeah. very valuable. And it seemed like a lot of the, the um, boat companies were doing that throughout the day. I saw a lot of different boats go out. Really? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was really good. I don't know if they do that in Annapolis or not. Um, some after maybe. the boat show, I maybe, think they do, yeah. maybe, yeah, yeah, because there's so many boats there too. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, so that was our our week, and um, I catch a flight back to the states uh, for for business for a week, and then I'll be back. So um, party time for yeah. me. <laughs> so my sister, my nephew, my niece are coming in town for a week. So I guess. Uh, to do a bit of a family or family extended family from brother sister uh, time and then um, and then I'm definitely going to take some time to do some research on the kiteboarding equipment Mm -hmm. uh, because that's part of the goal for this year and um, and then keeping keep doing some research and all the things that uh, the the conversations we started and and uh, Writing things down to yeah. gather my thoughts. I definitely think we need to uh, double click on the sale plan and some of the decisions in more detail in an upcoming episode, oh, uh, yeah. a- among other things. But I think that's a that's a big one. 
So uh, thanks so much for listening. If you have topics we want to cover or specific questions, again, you can reach us at sailingowen.com. And um, if you're coming to the Automere Week in May, let us know. If you're coming on vacation in France, in South let France, us know. the Montpellier, La Grande Mode, Toulouse, or anywhere we can side. take a train because I have a student discount. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> then let us know. Let us know. That's it for now. Bon vent. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Oh, 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 o